Um, hi, I'm Carly, here with... Daniel and Brandon. And kind of, kind of, he's kind of here. And we're going to review chapters one through four. And to start off... We're going to do chapter one. We're going to do chapter one. Do we start now? Yeah. Alright, so... I'm going to pose you guys a question about what I think could potentially um, foreshadow something in the future of the book. Mm-hmm. And it starts off at the very beginning with um, Ara, with Bryony telling us about like Arabella's play, or like the play of Arabella, mm-hmm. where essentially, like, how can um, Arabella contracting cholera going to the seaside town, uh, receiving that second chance from the doctor, and then eventually being healed, then getting reconciliation with her family and finally ending with marriage with the doctor like how can that like situation that play technically become a reality within the rest of the story including the Talis family the only mention of a doctor in the play right now is Robbie becoming one going to medical school so it could be a situation where Cecilia moves away gets sick I mean there's a lot of parallels with all this she has a lot of family you know, so there's a lot of possibilities for the characters yeah. to come together yeah. and play. And they're like very young, so there's so much future things that could have mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. That. But going off with the tension between Robbie and Cecilia, mm-hmm. do you guys think that's like the best potential like situation in which this play could mirror into them? So far, yes, because there, there's no other options really, I think. Is it because of the tie between being a doctor? Yeah, and just plus, like, there's, like, no other couples I could see. Like, no one else. Well, like, the only else is Paul Marshall, but, like, that's, I don't, I just can't see that. It's kind of awkward. Yeah, because there's not a super, there's not, like, a... Because there's somewhat of a romantic feeling with the Robbie and the yeah. Cecilia. And there's not an abundance of couples in the story in the first place, so... Well, they don't necessarily have to be couples now. Or, Because you know how or, the story wait, jumps around. Wait, what if, actually, Cecilia just moves away somewhere, or, like she saw the picture and then Brian and Robbie something happens there because you never know because age is different now but like when they grow up they'll be I don't know because like when he comes back from medical school and he's like a doctor it could happen I don't know because, like, the story, as Miss McGinnis uh, briefed us on it, she said that it jumps around from, like, three different time yeah, periods. Yeah, yeah. So we can technically be able to see a potential match, like, more clearly later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but not right now. Yeah, it'll eventually Something, something could form it from that, for sure. Yeah, and then going off of Arabella contracting cholera, let's keep it as the example of Cecilia. Mm. What type of... Like disease, do you think she could potentially contract? Not necessarily um, like physical disease, but like, like mental me- illness? mentally anything that you guys could see as a potential like, I mean, I feel OCD, like, uh, maybe because she always tries to have like control or in a way, mm-hmm. or maybe like a lot of anxiety like from, the the stre- from the stress she gets because she usually gets a lot really stressful. About it. Yeah, and then how do you think? that um, she can get cured by it, because in the play she gets cured. What do you think that Robbie could potentially do to cure her of OCD, for example? I don't know, but like... It's actually hard to think about. It's a doctor, it's, hard, right? it's their job. It's pretty early in the like place. I think maybe, maybe like something would happen. Something like, something would happen to her, like an experience, maybe... I don't know. Like, something that's like 
opposite, like you know, like a death, like a death. If you get a death, like, that's very traumatic. Something yeah. that's like opposite of that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like, oh, baby. Maybe you know how this is, like right before the war. Mm-hmm. Could the war potentially pose? But that's not. But like, I wouldn't think that would cure something. Or maybe it could no, it, it'd be like the example of the disease. What if he's oh. a doctor in the war? And then him coming back is the cure of the disease. I don't know. That could be that could be a possibility. Possibility. Yeah. All right. So, lastly, McGowan establishes a lot of like settings in her um, in Arabella's play, mm-hmm. Bryony's play. Sorry. So like, what do you guys think? Um, Arabella traveling to seaside town necessarily have to do with the entire uh, idea of her getting sick and then healed and then getting married. Maybe like, cause seaside town can be like a metaphor for like some, like, like kind of like a place of heaven. Heaven. Yeah, or like not heaven, but like just a better place than than from her past. What is the seaside, uh, the seaside town? So do you guys feel like the seaside town is more of a positive thing, even yeah, though maybe, she gets like sick? A, maybe it's like a sanctuary. Maybe, maybe it's like a sign of like maturity because like or like a sanctuary or something. Like sanctuary. Yeah. But she she's traveling to the seaside town and then yeah. she contracts cholera. So maybe, like the like when she traverses. Maybe she um, realizes that she should never have left in the first place. That's what it is saying. So I, mean, like, I would think like the tra- the treacherous like when she's traveling it takes a, a big toll on her. That's why she gets sick. And once she's there, she can heal, and then she gets better. And she's all these things happen. Maybe. Um, Wait, so are you saying that like? Can you explain that again? I mean, well, the thing is like it's like it's featuring, it's featuring the book, and there's a lot of like ways you can see it. But I don't know how I see it. That's just like one way I can see it. Okay, and then. Um, Arabella contracts the cholera, but do you think that could be like a potential, like, adversary for her own health and her own relationship with herself? It definitely could, you know, like a, like a struggle physically and mentally. Yeah. Because, like, um, later in the play and near the end, they say that she gets re- reconciled with her family. So there's definitely some tension that happened beforehand. So, like, the cholera potentially being just, like, that last, like, brick played on top. Yeah, that that could definitely be tortured. Yeah. And then, lastly, it says that the doctor and Arabella get married on a windy, sunlit day. Why exactly do you think it has to be windy, or she put it as windy on purpose? Was it windy one day? The the day that they got married. Okay. Why do you think it's windy? Like, what exactly do you think that could have pulled with their marriage? What's it? Well, like, windy's like usually like a change in weather kind of thing, so it could be good, just a big change. Because when you get married, it's a big, it's a very big change. Yeah, because like wind is caused by changes in temperature. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's just like a change. So do you think that could potentially expose a potential flaw that's going to happen between the two of them? Like a potential change between the both of them actually wanting to get married? Change is a good thing, but sometimes you never know if there's going to be that side of it. I can be like more negative because nobody's like happy about... Like, oh, look how windy it is today. It was super windy yesterday. It's oh, yeah. never a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So ultimately, you guys feel like the like the implementation the weather. of weather and setting really have a lot to do with what could possibly happen. Yeah, between the marriage doesn't look too good so far. Just looking at the annotations. Are we gonna keep it going or end it? I I ended it. Hi. Um. <laughs> Hello again. For chapter two. For chapter two. We're doing it. We're doing it uh, together because we only have three people current in our group. So we're connectively going to pose the question and answer the question. So the first thing we want to talk about is specifically the flowers and the relations that they have with Cecilia. And then we also want to talk about how that could potentially tie into Robbie tending the flowers in the garden as well. Since Cecilia relatively chooses wildflowers as far as we're aware of. It could show that how she's wild in her character at like she doesn't just pick ordinary flowers, she goes like off the as like a literal a literal um, like comparison. Like she's on the wild side, she pick wildflowers, but they're gonna also be a little more um, in depth meaning towards it. Yeah. Yeah. And then since um Robbie opts more for like tending established gardens and flowers. He's a gardener. Yeah. It's like that's what he's paid to do because he's the son of the yeah. cleaning lady. And he's just trying to tend and then since he's seen as more of an employee and employees are seen more as like to act accordingly so he could be associated with just uh, the more orderly fashion flowers aside from the just the wildflower that Cecilia picks mm -hmm. we don't know exactly where she picked them from but I feel like they could be something revealed because I feel like the place itself or it could be like, could be like, he like does he even like tend to like wildflowers he tends to probably like Mm -hmm. bot and like yeah they're not really it's like maybe it's like not his expertise but I feel because like he's a gardener he doesn't do like wild things he doesn't like mm -hmm. sophisticated and, like, like they're not really agree with flowers like fully pay attention to like, you know so like the fact that like they specifically like pick them out and like, you know, they were planted like it just kind of like, I don't know it's, it's something interesting to think about and it adds like a little bit of chaos into like the order that I think it just really like sh uh, shows how like different the characters are mm -hmm. but couldn't like since Robbie's an employee and even though Cecilia does like have ownership over like what she wants to do and Robbie doesn't couldn't that kind of be showing that Robbie just like has to do what he's told to do yeah. and then Arabella kind of just doesn't have to do anything she's told to do because her parents basically aren't even there her mother has a migraine so essentially Cecilia just does what she wants no yeah and the, like those two kind of when they collide it's two complete opposites like, you know, like it's, it's like, if, I feel if like you want to formulate something. Them, I feel like it's a battle of like power because they're both trying to fill up the base. Yeah. yeah. And they're both trying to retrieve it. It's like they're just both trying to be like 
and then that results in chaos and this bunch of things break. So. Yeah, and then um, the surprising thing that happens is that since Cecilia is the one who decides to go in and stops Robbie from getting the vase, like the broken pieces, like Cecilia is the one who completely strips down into her undergarments, and then Robbie's just left there standing there watching. And it kind of just builds a tension that we, I really don't know what to do with it at this point. Because it's just really early in the She's almost like, like saying, like, this is me. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's a tension that could like, build up in the future too as well. And it could lead to something Like, better. this is not the end of them. So, like, Cecilia is more of the dominant character mm-hmm. between oh, yeah. the two of them? Yeah. Even Come unsurpassed. <laughs> Hello. Alright, so (laughs) (laughs) I have to do it. So uh, for chapter three, um, it really focuses on Bryony and like the stresses she starts to go through. Um, like even in the very beginning, she tries to. Um, she's having trouble getting everyone together for the to practice the play in the first place, and then you know everyone starts wandering off from rehearsal except for Bryony. So, with this, um, with everything that Bryony is going through, do you guys think that she will um, keep her hope in keeping the play alive and like, keeping everyone together, or do you think she'll just end up ultimately giving up? I I don't think the play's ever gonna end. I think she was she always she's gonna have it go through, but just not how she wanted it mm-hmm. to go through. Because I feel like she'd rather have it be different than not at all. Mm-hmm. She put so much. She she's really passionate about it. Yeah. But with the lack of like people participating, what do you think could change potentially? Like, just like the characters. Yeah, I'm sure like, like she'll have to shorten the characters yeah, and change shorten. the story around. Like, I mean, there's only two characters in her play. Maybe mm-hmm. they'll, she'll make the characters just like more like the actual people they are. Mm-hmm. Like maybe like maybe she comes into conflict with uh, her cousin Lola, right? Yeah. And so like how like initially the play was where she's gonna get married. Maybe like she like makes her like. She just kills her and doesn't make her better from like the disease or anything. Like you know what I mean? She'll definitely yeah. have to. Um, like, uh, there's like, obviously tension. She'll definitely have to fluctuate the play. I agree with that. Yeah. Yes. And then, so also um, in this chapter, Bryony's looking through a window and she sees Robin and Cecilia in the fountain. And when Bryony was looking, this is kind of a bigger scene in the play. And that when she's looking at them, she deter- she's 100% sure that they're either. Um, like a proposal is taking place, or robbery, is, or robbery, Robbie is um is like gonna force Celia to take off her clothes and get in the fountain, you know? Yeah. So since uh, as Bryony does these things, like what, like you know, things like this, like watching, she's getting people's business without and them wanting to. Do you think that all this snooping will get her into the wrong places and somewhere that she'll regret in the future? Yeah, and I also feel like it might like make her less focused on herself because she'll be so like tangled in like other people's lives and like saying like she lives her life and like she's like a novelist so she'll be like in everybody life but she's gonna like not think about herself so she'll be like mm-hmm. I mean I guess you could see it as like a good thing like since she's a novelist she can get ideas like if she wants to keep writing in the future she can you know get all these ideas but from since, other people but at the same time it's not I mean she's 
basically making assumptions about what's happening and she's pretty young so we could relatively and collectively say that she's naive it's like yeah. watching like a movie on mute you can't really like understand yeah, yeah exactly mm-hmm. like that could be really i don't know i could, I could definitely see that going in a lot of places in the future for her Okay, hello, this is the last chapter which I'll be doing and so it's this chapter's centered on Cecilia, I feel like, in a way. And so from the start it's Brian seems to be in a tantrum and it takes him back into a flashback of how when Brianie had a tantrum, Cecilia would comfort her and nurture her back to being calm. And so in that period, Brianie figures out her issues without Cecilia comforting her and helping her figure it out. So like, was, does this show that Cecilia isn't needed and could potentially move away and uh, Brianie doesn't need her to be there to help her? I feel like it's a very big case of immaturity. So like, Bryony may think that Cecilia shouldn't be there and like she doesn't need her, but I feel like a, a situation in the future will come up with Cecilia will really be needed. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like it's kind of like it's kind of like that classic. Where it's like I mean, obviously it's kind of case, but like it's like when you're younger, like you look at your parents, you're like oh, I can't wait to move up. I can I can live my life on my own, you know, but like you know, whatever. I feel like this is kind of a big case, but when they actually do get what they want, it's not what they needed. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like Cecilia is kind of an embodiment of like Bryony's moral support in a way. Yeah. I had to go. Oh, sorry, you were still Yeah. I feel like Cecilia is kind of an embodiment of like Brandy's moral support because I, that's like kind of what I'm getting is that Cecilia is the main backbone of why Brandy continues to do these things. Yeah, because the mom's not really helping too much. Yeah, like um, obviously in chapter one, Brandy gives a play to is it Emily? Talis' mom is that her name? So she gives it to her mom and then she like writes her reactions and stuff like that but it's, it's really it's not really just it's like a mom reaction it's like oh it's great yeah it's like your parents like you literally draw scribbles and you're like oh it's great like it's masterpiece on the fridge. that's kind of how I feel like Emily was doing in chapter one yeah mm-hmm. so like going back to everything that Bryony's doing like Cecilia knows Bryony so well to the point where like she's biting her lip she's like her eyes and everything yeah, she automatically knows that. something's wrong okay so for the second question I got it was when um, Cecilia imagined marrying Paul Marsh. So, like, I was looking at it, maybe it was a, like, it was a, a result of trying to have control in her life. Because, like, she sees the marriage not as, like, an attraction thing, but having, like, as a stable marriage of, like, having him be rich and, like, a strong man. And she'll have kids, so, like, it could possibly just be, a, like, a fallback option or, an op- like, a plan B or just, like... A stable thing that gives her comfort knowing that that could be an option it's kind of how we would think of like maybe like a safety school like that's her safety right there yeah mm-hmm. that's, like she has that's her ambition which like you know like you never ideally want it because like in the book it is stated like paul is kind of like you know he's really boring like he starts like an open group conversation with like a monologue about himself you know like that's not really something mm-hmm. you would like but just the fact that she has that safety of something yeah i mean future. it's it's always good to have that safety but 
in the long term, like I feel like to make for like it kind of relates back to um brand prejudice, like what true happiness is. There are people and it's like happiness. Yeah, she's so kind of like, just like scared of her future. Yeah, so like, but in order to like for her to really live the best she can, you obviously you don't really want to go yeah. for your safety. Like, you don't really want to go for your safety school for college. You want to go to your dream, dream school. So yeah, she dreams, she really needs you. But you know, it's always there. All right. Today we're going to be going over chapters 5 through 9, and I'm with me, Carly Wright, I hope you enjoy this. Hi, today we're going to be going over the chapters 5 through 9 of the Atonement, and I'm here with myself, Carly Wright. I hope you enjoy this. Hi, today... I'm with Trevin, Jocelyn, and Amir, and we're doing chapters 5 through 9 Atonement. I hope you enjoy this. Hi, today I'm with Trevin, Jocelyn, and Amir, and we're doing chapters 5 through 9 Atonement. I hope you enjoy this. Hi, today we're going to be going over the chapters 5 through 9 of the Atonement, and I'm here with myself, Carly Wright. Amir, Fifi. Trevin, Jocelyn, Arroyo. I hope you enjoy this. Hi, today we're going to be going over the chapters 5 through 9 of the Atonement, and I'm here with myself, Carly Wright. I'm here, Fifi. Trevor Moore. Jocelyn Arroyo. I hope you enjoy this. Hi, today we're going to be going over the chapters 5 through 9 of the Atonement, and I'm here with myself, Carly Wright. I'm here, Fifi. Trevor Moore. Jocelyn Arroyo. I hope you enjoy this. Uh, Trevin's going to be doing chapter 5, so he's going to, here's his first question. Uh, my question is, uh, what has Brian experienced as a small child uh, to make herself so self-absorbed? Um, I think it has to do with she has maybe the fact that she has like almost two mother figures because Cecilia like is almost responsible for the household and she's like the mother figure but then again she has Emily and then she also has her older brother and I feel like she's just she has like all these parent figures so she just most people don't live like that yeah and she has like a lot of attention from them too so she's always kind of feeling like I want to say entitled but yeah more like everything that she does you know someone's gonna be there Everybody feels like and she knows she's, she's gonna be like the star of the show, kind of. Yeah. And I think that she does. But, um, and she she always doesn't have that support and stuff, so she just has like almost an easy life, kind of. I agree. At the same time, I feel like she also wants to like make them proud, in a way. Um, yeah, I feel like she's she's also like under pressure trying to like impress them as well because yeah, she feels like she's like younger, like she's trying to do the play to impress Leon. Yeah, she's trying to seem like more mature in a way. Like, yeah. I feel like every like little kid always yeah, wants to I, yeah, grow up. Yeah, I feel like every little kid is like always wanting to be older and yeah. like, tries to be like something they're like not ready for. Yeah, especially if they have like an older sibling or something. Or I think just, like, Brian's just too mature for her age, honestly, in my opinion, though, in a sense. Do you think it's because that her, she has, like, the, um, 
like her mother Emily is like not there and she has like different types of parenting. Do you think that's why? Yeah, because like she looks up to her sister Cecilia most of the time for like things. Like Cecilia tries to protect her from something. Yeah, and she's like pretty independent. Like she whenever wants to be, uh, independent. Yeah, like, she always like runs away. Matilda. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah. Alright, well that was chapter five. Hi, I'm going to be doing chapter 6. I'll be asking the question. I'm asking if, is Emily's illness a real thing or just anxiety? Like, is this from being sheltered as a kid because she's always just in a room, always indoors? Um, I don't know if it's from a kid and stuff, but she's definitely dealing with some past, I want to say trauma, but just something that she hasn't been able to get over it, and this is just her way to cope. Like, it's easy to forget about a problem if you never face it. I feel like you could definitely, like, make yourself sick in a way. Yeah, like, kind of, like, like, add on to something, like, little. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Her father having what? Her father. Has We haven't seen Her husband, or... Because we're talking about Emily. Oh, my God. No. Uh, it's probably a safe place, some people. Yeah. Yeah. Just feel the need to stay indoors. Yeah, probably hasn't experienced much. Yeah, because yeah. it seems like when she's in a room, she's like, she's like an audience to what's being on in life because she can hear through the walls and she's yeah. just there, like, observing everything. But, like... She can't do me wrong because she's not present, so it's almost like her safe space. And That's to be true. honest, I feel like she's just like lazy and stuff. Because sometimes, like, if, even if I get lazy and if I just sit in bed and stuff, I don't feel like amazing sitting in bed. And yeah, once I, you like get out and actually like do something, I feel like even a sick person would do more than she's doing. Yeah, I feel exactly. Like it's definitely more of like a mental. And thing. she's kind of like trying to like to make herself feel bad, I think, and telling herself like, "Oh, I'm gonna do this." But not doing it just keeps making it worse because she's like, keeps lying to herself. You know what I mean? In that sense, so then she can kind of lie to herself. I and, like, also think herself like she's sick. she treats Brandy most as like a kid because like that's like the one that's like the youngest, and I feel like that's like she's trying to make it the last chance for her to like be a parent because she's like she tries to go out and help her. Yeah. And then with Cecilia and Leon, she's just like they are who they are. Like she doesn't really act like their parent. Yeah, they, she feels like they're already like shaped in a way, so yeah. that her influence on I mean, them. Maybe she's just grasping on like the loss of childhood as well. So. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, that's chapter six. Okay, this is chapter seven. Amir, take it away. Okay, um, my question is, how has Bryony grown from the beginning of the book? Um, do her selfish actions um, actually show positive growth or negative growth? So, I'm assuming that you mean when she like, runs away. And yeah. um, I feel like it was like a, almost like a breaking point for her when she ran away from the play. Because it's like the point where she realizes that she's out of control. I feel like she could have dealt with it differently instead of just letting the cousins hang and not know what's going on. Yeah. But I feel like she's doing, she has the right mindset, but she's not doing the right actions. Like handling it, yeah. 
I mean, I I kind of agree. I think it's I think it's kind of good. I mean, she's only nine years old, so you realize like she probably hasn't like thought it out. She might just have to be having a temper tantrum. But I feel like her always like trying to be like the super nice person, and all this stuff. Sometimes she needs to get away and just realize that sometimes being selfish when you are that nice of a person isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, in some senses you have to be selfish. You just can't walk, let people walk all over you. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like her like getting back at the cousins because it seems like previously the cousins were just walking over her and like took her plays in the role and now yeah. she's just like saying, I'm in charge. Yeah, sometimes when you're always like, like nice. Enough you know. Yeah. Yes. Sorry to put you off, yeah. You know, those people are like, it's oh. It's like with siblings, <coughs> a little bit. Because, like, between my sister and I, we argue about a thing, and, like, she takes my stuff, and I get mad about it, but then I just be nice that you go ahead, but then later I'm like, no more, you can't stop doing it, you have to stop doing it. Yeah, that's my like stuff, this, like, I pay for it, you don't, so it's mine. You've seen that as, like, her, like, running away, like, that's her, yeah. like, paying her foot down and, like, having yeah. power. Yeah. Like, the start of it. So I think overall it's... It's good, but she has to go in, like, a, a better direction. Approach. Approach yeah, exactly. She has the right mindset, or at least a better one. Yeah. I mean, what she did wasn't, like, terrible, but if she keeps just doing, like... If she keeps just running away, yeah, it's not going to end Yeah, just, like, not thinking everything through, then it's going to turn out bad. But. All right. That was Chapter 7. All right. We're going to start in Chapter 8 with Jocelyn. So, why wouldn't Robbie just write one letter confessing his undying love to Cecilia instead of writing two letters, one confessing his love and the other being a sexual naughty one? And what was the point of it? And does it like foreshadow anything that's going to happen next? I believe that part of Robbie wanted the inappropriate letter to get out just so he could. I feel like he has all this grown-up tension and he just like part of him just wanted to get it out and maybe it was maybe a good thing for that to get out because they always have this tension between them and that just kind of broke it and it was just like almost like him just like, like freeing lifting himself, it off. Yeah, freeing yeah. himself from that. Even though it was not the best, it was it, it probably gave him a relief of stress and stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was necessarily like good what he did. Um, maybe for like his like to get it off his chest and stuff, but... I think it was, like, a self-conscious action of him writing two letters. Like, I feel like he wanted it to happen. <laughs> and plus, I feel like if if you want to convey both messages, if you put them in the same letter, then I think it kind of, like, it kind of takes away from the point that he loves her. You know what I mean? I feel like I really love you, and then you write, like, some really sexual thing after. I feel like it kind of kills that, like love you know what i mean at the same time i kind of wonder why he didn't just stuff both of them in because that's what i would have did and just take a risk because it really isn't that much to lose honestly yeah that's kind of true like if you want something go for it instead of beating around the bush and i do think it would cause a lot of chaos just because it's such a controversial yeah i agree oh, it, would cause, it would cause problems but you should have took the risk. And I feel like it was foreshadowed that Brian is going to read the letter since she was like eavesdropping at them in the previous chapter. So I feel like it's revealing us to more that Brian keeps eavesdropping and that she's going to get sucked into like their lives because she keeps walking in on them doing things and she doesn't understand completely. But I feel like the more she does it, the more she's going to understand it. Yeah. 
if they're not careful, then and she's And I feel like that's she's gonna, like, like... smart for a dog. Yeah. And I feel like just, like, her doing that is just gonna, like, take away from her, like, innocence and, like, fantasies. It's just gonna, like, show her, like, the real ugly world. Yeah, like, the beginning of it. Yeah. Like, you know, when you, like... Like, right now, she's probably living, like, a nice movie world where she thinks that, like... Everything's great. And then, like, yeah, she probably doesn't know how babies are born yet. You know, babies are being honest. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, after this, she'll know the whole anatomy, dude. All right. Okay. So, yep, that's a, I think that's yeah. a great way to end it. Yeah, that's a good way to end this. Chapter 8. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about Chapter 9. And um, so, in the beginning of this uh, chapter, Cecilia is, like, picking all these dresses and really criticizing herself. So, like, I was like, does Cecilia hide her self-conscious by distracting herself with, like, her family's issues? Because the second that the twins needed her help with, like, the socks, she just totally forgot about her socks. I mean, not her socks, about her appearance and her dress and stuff. So, like, I feel like a part of her, like, if she ended up going away with her brother, like, she's gonna like tackle all these other problems and her being there with her family is just like distracting herself from her own problems and how she really feels because she's almost mothering the cousins Bryony, and she's also dealing with all these other issues of being like a young adult yeah. i have to agree with you that because like there's some, I know a couple people who actually have problems that are outside some other things. And that they just don't have really time yeah. to like deal with them. And they find things to distract themselves so they won't have to worry about that. And like, but yeah, it still comes back. So she's going to have to deal with it eventually. Yeah, and I think the thing too is that when she's going to help her family and stuff, she doesn't realize it. Like she's like escaping that problem. Yeah, but I feel like she's really unaware. Cause she has never been able to tackle it because yeah. there hasn't been like a chapter where she hasn't been there for somebody. Yeah, exactly. And like it's a big problem that she deals with, but like she doesn't seem like she's escaping it. You know, she needs to like face it head on and kind of gain some confidence or have some support from someone else. Yeah. Yeah, like she doesn't really have she's like the mother but who's yeah. her mother like emily yeah. doesn't really i don't think she, she takes care of emily really yeah i don't think she needs to like stop helping people but she needs to realize that she needs help you know what i mean she needs a healthy uh, mixture of both so yeah i don't think she kind of i don't think she realizes how much it would help her i think she might want it but i don't think she knows that she like needs it to kind of get over her problem yeah because that dressing she sh that shouldn't have happened and it makes me feel bad for her because it, and she sounds what people describe her as a beautiful person so yeah any other thoughts all right that was chapter nine thank you for listening to chapters five and nine have a great day Today we're going to be going over the chapters 5 through 9 of the Atonement, and I'm here with myself, Carly Wright. I'm here, Fifi. Trevor Moore. Jocelyn Arroyo. I hope you enjoy this. Hi, today we're going to be going over the chapters 5 through 9 of the Atonement, and I'm here with myself, Carly Wright. 
Come here, Fifi. Trevor Moore. Jocelyn Arroyo. I hope you enjoy this. Hi, today we're going to be going over the chapters 5 through 9 of Atonement, and I'm here with myself, Carly Wright. Come here, Fifi. Trevor Moore. Jocelyn Arroyo. I hope you enjoy this. Okay, this is chapter 7. Amir, take it away. Okay, um, my question is, how has Bryony grown from the beginning of the book? Um, do her selfish actions um, actually show positive growth or negative growth? So, I'm assuming that you mean when she like, runs away? And yeah. um, I feel like it was like a, almost like a breaking point for her when she ran away from the play. Because it's like the point where she realizes that she's out of control. I feel like she could have dealt with it differently instead of just letting the cousins hang and not know what's going on. Yeah. But I feel like she's doing, she has the right mindset, but she's not doing the right actions. Like handling it, yeah. I mean, I I kind of agree. I think it's I think it's kind of good. I mean, she's only nine years old, so you realize like she probably hasn't like thought it out. She might just have to be having a temper tantrum. But I feel like her always like trying to be like the super nice person, and all this stuff. Sometimes she needs to get away and just realize that sometimes being selfish when you are that nice of a person isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, in some senses, you have to be selfish. You just can't walk. Let people walk all over you. Yeah. Exactly. It's almost like her like getting back at the cousins because it seems like previously the cousins were just walking over her and like took her plays in the role and now yeah. she's just like saying I'm in charge. Yeah, sometimes when you're always like, like nice, enough to do not. Yeah. Yes. Sorry to put you off. Yeah. Just... You know those people are like it's oh. Like with siblings, <coughs> a little bit. Cause like between my sister and I, we argue about the thing and like. She takes my stuff and I get mad about it, but then I just be nice that you go ahead. But then later I'm like, no more. You can't stop doing. It. You have to stop doing. It. Yeah, that's my like stuff. this. Like, I pay for it. You don't. So it's mine. You seen that as like her like running away, like that's her yeah. like putting her foot down and like having yeah. power. Like the start of it. So I think overall it's it's good, but she has to go in like a, a better direction. Approach. Approach yeah, exactly. She has the right mindset, or at least a better one. Yeah, I mean, what she did wasn't like terrible, but if she keeps just doing like if she keeps just running away, yeah, it's not gonna just end like up not good. thinking everything through, then it's gonna turn out bad. But. All right, that was chapter seven. Okay, this is chapter seven. Amir, take it away. Okay, um, my question is, how has Bryony grown from the beginning of the book? Um, do her selfish actions um, actually show positive growth or negative growth? So I'm assuming that you mean when she like runs away, and yeah. um, I feel like it was like a almost like a breaking point for her when she ran away from the play because it's like the point where she realizes that she's out of control. I feel like she could have dealt with it differently instead of just letting the cousins hang and not know what's going on. Yeah. But I feel like she's doing, she has the right mindset, but she's not doing the right actions. Like handling it, yeah. I mean, I I kind of agree. I think it's I think it's kind of good. I mean, she's only nine years old, so you realize like she probably hasn't like thought it out. She might just have to be having a temper tantrum. But I feel like her always like trying to be like the super nice person, and all this stuff. Sometimes she needs to get away and just realize that 
sometimes being selfish when you are that nice of a person isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, in some senses you have to be selfish. You just can't walk, have people walk all over you. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like her, like, getting back at the cousins because it seems like previously the cousins were just walking over her and, like, took her plays in the role, and now yeah. she's just saying, saying, I'm in charge. Yeah, sometimes when you're always, like, like nice... Like, you know, yeah. Yes. Sorry to put you off, yeah. You know, those people are like, yeah, oh. Like with siblings, <coughs> a little bit. Because, like, between my sister and I, we argue about the thing, and, like, she takes my stuff, and I get mad about it, but then I just be nice that you go ahead, but then later I'm like, no more, you can't stop doing it. You have to stop doing it. Yeah, that's my like this. Stuff, like, I pay for it, you don't, so it's mine. You've seen that as, like, her, like, running away, like, that's her, yeah. like, paying her foot down and, like, having yeah. power. Yeah. Like, the start of it. So I think overall, it's. It's good, but she has to go in like a, a better direction. Approach it yeah, better. Exactly. She has the right mindset, or at least a better one. Yeah. I mean, what she did wasn't like terrible, but if she keeps just doing like. If she keeps just running away, yeah, it's not going to end. Just like not way. thinking everything through, then it's going to turn out bad. Alright, that was chapter 7. Hi, today we're going to be going over the chapters 5 through 9 of The Atonement, and I'm here with myself, Carly Wright. Amir Fifi, Trevor Moore, Charles Arroyo. I hope you enjoy this.